0: Good evening to all of you. It is a beautiful evening and it has been a beautiful day and I hope you've been able to enjoy it as best as you can. We're thankful for this Bible class hour and anytime that we have the opportunity to look into God's word with an open heart, good things always happen. Let's bow together as we uh, get ready for class. Holy Divine Father, how grateful we are. Lord, thank you for life itself and thank you for providing blessings every day. Help us, Father, never to forget where all of our blessings come from. Lord, we're especially mindful of your great love for us. Father, it's hard for us to understand it all, but thank you, Father. Thank you for sending your Son to die for us. Thank you, O Lord, for the power that you have displayed through uh, Jesus. Thank you, dear God, for the example of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for the Scriptures. Help us, Father, as we open up your Word, that our minds will be open to what we can learn. Lord, we are so grateful for our families, we're grateful for our, our moms and dads, we're thankful for our little ones. Pray your blessing upon them, not only this evening as they study in Bible class, but also every day as their little heart, hearts are being shaped uh, for your service. Lord, we're mindful of those that have been on our list, we've been praying for uh, those on the list. Pray your blessing of Brother Keith uh, this evening as he will be undergoing tests uh, tomorrow. We pray your richest blessings to be with him and Deneen. And Father, all those on our list, we do pray for. Lord, we pray that you would guide us in our everyday lives that you would help us to be mindful of uh, the influence that, that we can and should have uh, for you. Lord, We pray that you would help our church family here, Father, that you would help us to be united upon uh, your word, that you would help us, Father, as we worship, help us as we serve. Dear God, we pray for the world. We pray that more and more will recognize sin for what it is and that we'll be ready to have the gospel of Jesus to share with them. Look down upon us, Father, we ask you, we beg you in your tender mercy to forgive us of any thought or any action that has gone astray. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I ask you to have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 this evening. We began a study in Luke 2 several weeks ago. And I want to finish... Uh, this with you. We're going to be focusing on a man by the name of uh, Simeon. Okay. We'll be focusing on Simeon and asking some questions um, about Simeon. So if you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 2, you'll be able to answer these questions. You'll be able to see the, the direction uh, in which we're going. Okay, Luke uh, chapter all right, first question, if you look down in Luke 2 to verse 25, this is a question, how is Simeon described? Okay, look down there in verse 25 and notice, how is Simeon described? About four ways. I know it says that he's from Jerusalem. We know his name is Simeon, but what four things are said about Simeon in verse 25? What do you see? He was, righteous. He was a righteous man. Number one, devout. he was devout, devoted to the Lord. Number two, what about the Holy Spirit? What does it say? The Holy Spirit was upon him. Okay, he would walk closely to the Lord, and then what else does it say? He was waiting for what? Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Okay, so let's discover this idea of consolation. We can do this a couple of ways by comparing a couple of verses. In the same chapter, look at Luke 2 and 38. This is... Um, when it moves on down to talk about uh, Anna, who's in the temple. But notice Luke 2.38, it says, Coming up at that very hour, Anna began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So those those phrases are, are basically the same. The consolation of Israel, the redemption of Jerusalem which simply means, of course, as you know, to be redeemed from our sins is to receive forgiveness of our sins. Now, hold your place and jump over to Luke 23. All the way over as we get to read about Joseph. Luke 23. We get to read about Joseph of Arimathea. What did Joseph do? Joseph of Arimathea, what did he do? He took the body of Jesus and buried it. And so notice this about Joseph of Arimathea in Luke 23, 51. It says, he was also good and righteous and he had not consented to the decision and action to crucify Jesus. And look what he was looking for. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. So, Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Anna says she's looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Joseph of Arimathea, he is looking for the kingdom of God. All those are equivalent. Okay? Basically talking about the salvation that's coming through Jesus. They've, they've been knowing that Jesus is coming and salvation is coming with him. So notice right here in verse 25 of to 2 how that Simeon is described. Now let's think about the word consolation for a moment. What word do you see inside the word consolation? Console. 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 Comfort. Okay. And this is the reason people have been looking for Jesus. That's why they were looking for him. He's the one that's going to bring comfort to the world. People have been looking for him for quite some time. Sin has been in the world and there's been real no solution for sin until Jesus makes his appearance. Consolation. He would bring comfort. Remember Jesus himself speaking, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verses 3 through 5, where he said, Blessed are those that mourn for what? For they shall be comforted. This morning here in Matthew 5, not necessarily talking about someone grieving over loss of a loved one, but someone grieving over their sins. Sin causes us to stop if we are are sensitive to the will of God. It causes us to stop and consider and to to grieve and to look for a solution. And Jesus is the only one that can give that solution. We remember Jesus... His words from Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28, come unto me all ye that what? That labor and are what? Amen. Heavy laden. Come unto me and I'll give you rest. This is the ideal of consolation. Consolation. So Simeon is looking for the consolation of, of Israel. The world's been looking for this ever since the Garden of Eden. Ever since God promised That through the seed of woman, then one would come who would bruise the head of Satan. All right, so that's a little bit of a description of Simeon. Notice the next verse in this question, verse 26, verse 26 of Luke chapter 2. Notice this question, what had been revealed? What had been revealed to Simeon? What had been revealed to Simeon? that he would, he would live to see the Lord. Okay. He would not see death until he had seen who? All right. Now, this has been revealed to him. Now, these, these type of revealings do not occur anymore today. Don't, we don't look for this. We don't look for the Lord to, to speak directly to us today. Because the scriptures have been fulfilled. The scriptures have been completed. Jesus says in John 16, 13, The Holy Spirit guided the apostles into all the truth. We now have all the truth. We don't have the need for direct and and miraculous uh, revealings as they had in the first century. And that's okay. It's still fun to study uh, Simeon. And uh, we have much more of the story the ultimate big story than Simeon had uh, at at his time. But uh, if we wanted to study that out, we would go over to 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 13 and notice how those those things have been done away. But notice here in verse 26, what has been revealed? Well, two things, two things. Uh, That he would see, and what? What does your Bible say there? How does it describe Jesus there in verse 26? What does it say? Hmm? The Lord's Christ. Yeah, the Lord's Christ. Okay, the Lord's Christ. Remember last week we were looking at David in uh, the book of 1 Samuel, and he looked to Saul as the Lord's anointed. And we were able to take from that and notice that ultimately Jesus is the anointed, the huge anointed one. He's the promised anointed one. And so Simeon is promised here that he would see the Lord's Christ. Christ means anointed one, the promised one of um, of the Old Testament. Look in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke 9 as a further explanation of this Luke 9 in verse 20 when Jesus asked his disciples who do the crowds say that I am and they said well some say John the Baptist others Elijah and so on verse 20 Luke 9:20 he said to them but who do you say that I am and Peter answered The Christ of God. The Christ of God's Christ. The Lord's uh, Christ. Now we usually remember Matthew's recording of that where Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But notice there in Luke 9 verse 20 as well. And then keep turning to Luke 23. Jesus hanging on the cross. They don't say really nice things to Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. But notice in Luke twenty-three thirty-five, Jesus hanging on the cross, Luke twenty-three, thirty-five, the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the chosen, or if he is the Christ of God, he is chosen one. Okay. Now, sometimes when people are saying evil things, they also they they still end up saying something that's true. This is true. He is the chosen one. He is the Christ. Okay. They had heard that about him. Now they're flinging those words into his ears, trying to make him feel bad, not realizing what Jesus was doing is the very thing that the Christ, the chosen one, uh, would do. Okay. So, here in Luke two twenty six, what has been revealed to Simeon? Uh, that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's uh, Christ. Now let's think about that phrase back in Luke 2:26 about seeing death, seeing death. Here, seeing death is just, is just straightforward. In other words, he's not going to die until he sees Christ. And this is what's happening with him on this occasion. Okay. But sometimes that same phrase is used more in a heavenly sense. Okay, and let's notice... That in the Gospel of John, if you flip your Bibles over to John chapter eight, for instance, you'll see that seeing death sometimes doesn't mean not dying physically, but sometimes has more of a heavenly meaning. In John eight verse fifty-one, listen to what Jesus says. John eight fifty-one. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Okay. Obviously, that doesn't mean that he won't ever physically die. But that rather, he won't experience eternal death. Okay. He won't, he'll, keep, he'll be able to go and be with God and have, have life as it truly is. If you jump back to John 6, along about verse... Uh, I think there's a similar usage of the uh, the word. John 6, verse, uh, verse 50, yeah. This is the bread, Jesus says. He's talking about himself being the bread of heaven. He says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. So if we partake of Jesus, that is, partake of his words, and follow him, ingest his ways into our hearts and lives, then we won't die, that is, we won't die um, eternally. We won't suffer eternal death. Now look to uh, John 11, Jesus discussing things with Martha, Lazarus, having died. And you recall in John 11, Jesus' words to Martha, 25 and 26, John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So, Luke 2, 26, what had been revealed uh, to Simeon that he would not die Actually, physically, until he got to see uh, Jesus. Okay, next question, verse 27. Verse 27, how is it that Simeon meets Jesus and his family? Where do they meet? And what is the occasion here? Yeah, they're in the temple. Okay. And what is Jesus doing in the temple? How old is Jesus at this time? Not very old, right? <laughs> okay. So they had if you jump back to Luke 2:21 you see as as the old law instructed, they had brought Jesus and had him circumcised on the eighth day. And then there is according to the law of Moses, a 33 purification period, 33-day purification period after that. So they had waited that out. Now they have brought him to the temple after that 33-day waiting period. Now they're presenting him as holy unto the Lord as the, uh, the, sons, the firstborn sons was to be done. And so here they are in the temple. And then it says here in verse 27 that uh, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, uh, Simeon is here. Simeon is here. And you can see that the Lord wanted this meeting to happen. God has no trouble working out uh, the timing of meetings when he wants the timing of meetings to happen. That's one of the great uh, characteristics of our God. It's it's really good, and we need to do this sometimes. Just sit down and go through the Scriptures and notice all the amazing timings of God. The one that should come to our mind is Acts 8 when... Philip left uh, Samaria. God had Philip leave Samaria to intersect the journey of the Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch had been in Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Philip's over in Samaria uh, doing his preaching work, and the Lord has him leave Samaria at the perfect time in which he would then intersect um, the eunuch as he traveled back home. It just so happened also the eunuch at that very time was reading from Isaiah 53 about Jesus, and so the Lord worked out that timing rather, rather well. What do you think? Do you think God still, still is able to work out timings? That work out in accordance to His will? We probably all would agree that He does put us in circumstances and situations to where we have the opportunity to grow spiritually, and also to share the Lord's word. But he leaves it to us to seize that opportunity. So we need to contemplate on that, meditate on that. So, but the question there from verse 27 of Luke 2 is, how did they end up meeting? So the next question is this, what does, um, as you keep reading in Luke 2, 28, what does Simeon do when he meets Jesus? What does he what does what does he do? Took him up in his arms and blessed God. All right. As you see it there, he took little Jesus up into his arms. And do you think Simeon's kind of an older guy? Doesn't really say how old he is, but he's it seems like he's he's he, he's rel- he's relying on the fact that I'm not gonna die here until I see Jesus. And we don't really know how old he is. Well, I was thinking, you know, only older guys can get away with picking up somebody's child you don't know. I mean, a young guy tries that and he's, <laughs> he might get himself injured. But uh, you ever notice how older folks can just get away with things that younger folks can't get away with? Yeah, it happens all the time. I remember um, listening to Tom Holland just a few years ago. Tom has passed on now, but um, he was talking about how he would go into his uh, his office, his library, and he would just start talking to his books. And he would talk to this book that he's used, and talk to this book, and wonder which book he needed to use. He said, "I just go in there and start talking to my books. It's okay for Tom because he was like 80s, but if." A 22-year-old says, I go into my office and start talking to my books, and they start looking for a way to get rid of him. But here's Simeon, he picks up Jesus in his arms, and he, he basically thanks the Lord. And, and what a message of thanksgiving this is. you see that in Luke 2, 28 through 32? Okay, Let's notice that quickly. Notice, what is he, what's his first part of his thanksgiving song here? He says, now let your servant depart in peace, according to your word. Let, is that what you're saying? Let your servant depart in peace. Notice the three things there. First, he considers himself a servant, which is huge in Bible language, huge for our hearts and our minds. Okay? If, if that's not how we think of ourselves, then and, and we've got ways to go yet. Yeah. Uh, so he says, let your servant, your servant, uh, let your servant depart. We're familiar with this this term. This means to uh, take down your tent. Take down your tent. Uh, reality, our body is just a tent. It houses our soul. When we die, our, fence is, our, our tent is folded down, and that's that's death. But our soul continues. To live. Paul said in Philippians 1, you remember, uh, 21, he says, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And that's, that's our longing too, to depart and to be with Christ. He says here, verse 29, let, now let your servant depart. But how does he want to depart? Wants to do it in peace. In peace. Have you thought about how you'd like to to die? Have you thought about where you might want to to die? Is it possible to be able to die in peace no matter where you're at? Hmm? Yeah. I think you can. Think. You like to die in your sleep? Um, I think it's possible to die in peace, no matter what's going on, because it's a matter of the heart. Brittany. It's a matter of of your relationship uh, with God. Hebrews eleven thirteen says the patriarchs, many of them, like Abraham and Sarah and others, they died in faith. Okay, that's that's a good phrase to think about. They died in faith. Hebrews eleven thirteen. But Jesus, on the other hand, in John eight twenty four, he says. Uh, If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Now that's, we don't want to die that that way. We want to die in faith. We want to depart uh, in peace. Can you think of someone in the book of Acts who died in their sins? Who in the book of Acts died in their sins? Okay. Ananias and Sapphira from Acts chapter five. Their, their deception. They died, in their sins. But we remember Stephen now. On the other hand, Acts chapter seven. I would say he died in faith. He died in peace, didn't he? Okay. What a terrible way to die! Have stones being thrown at you. But no matter what's happening, he, he died in peace. He he was perfectly comfortable with going on to be uh, with the Lord. All right. So notice the little song of thanksgiving here in verse 29 that he gives, let your servant depart in peace. And then the next part of it is, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Talking about, of course, Christ being the key person to anyone's uh, salvation. And it's thrilling for us uh, to think about that. And then, what does he say next in verse 31? Which you have prepared before what? Before all the people. This salvation that was promised and that has now come is salvation not just for Simeon, okay, not just for the Jews, not, but for everybody, for all people. In the same chapter, uh, as you recall, in Luke um, 2... Up in verse, uh, verse 10. In a pronouncement of Jesus' uh, birth, you see it there in Luke 2, verse 10. And the angel said to them, "Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And that's what the Great Commission is all about: go take the gospel to all nations. Okay, repentance and remission of sins. Luke 24." 47 okay. So notice this, this Thanksgiving he gives uh, to God, which is nice so verse, from verse 28: 29 uh, 30, 31, especially verse 32 he says, "This salvation is a light for the Gentiles and glory for who for Israel." Now, you can trace the passages about how salvation was a light to the Gentiles, and not hard to do. Let's think about that glory of Israel. This is kind of sad. It's kind of sad. You know, there's, um, I I looked at over 5,000 synagogues in the United States. People still worshiping under the Jewish, old Jewish law. Uh, there's about 5.5 million Jews practicing Jews in our country of course a lot more worldwide a lot more over in, in Israel Judea area now but isn't that sad where Christ was meant to be the glory of Israel and so many have rejected him and it's just it's sad how all that has has worked out not because of a lack of opportunity, not because of a lack of information. Why is it that many of the Jewish religion have rejected Jesus? Well, the answer is given for us in 2 Corinthians 3, where Paul talks about this in his own day, speaking of his own people, the Jews. 2 Corinthians 3 Fourteen, he says, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil, that same veil, remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, he says, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That is, when one opens up the new covenant in the New Testament opens up information about the life of Christ, that veil is removed. But this veil remains on people's hearts, not just Jewish people, but people of all uh, nations. Okay. So let's go to the next, verse, next question here. Luke two thirty-three. The question is, uh, how does Joseph and Mary react to what Simeon says. a Marvel. What's another word for marvel? You think? Just... Amazed. They were amazed. They were amazed. They were giving, they were being given little bits of information here and there. The angels had talked to them, but still, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to put all this together, and even with their son right there before them, but they're putting it all together. They've, they've had the shepherds to come and give reverence to Jesus. They've had the angels come and talk to them about the coming Jesus. And they're putting this together, and they're beginning to, to understand more and more. They're amazed. Shouldn't we be even more amazed? As we have now all the we have the whole story they they're right there in the middle of the forest, and they're putting things together. but well, here we are on the other side of it shouldn't we be even more amazed more more um, more in awe of all that god has done shouldn't should we have the anxiousness to share uh, what we are understanding so luke two thirty three Now, what was their reaction? What was their uh, reaction? And it's so true. They were were amazed. They they marveled at what he had said. You think about all the Old Testament references that's being brought out by Simeon. If we had the time, we could trace a lot of them. A lot of them come from Isaiah. Isaiah, Uh, for your further study... I'm going to write down like Isaiah 60 and Isaiah 49, Isaiah 42. All of these chapters talk about a coming light for the Gentiles. And so they're hearing, they're hearing Simeon talk about things that, that to them are recognizable from the Old Testament prophets. And so they're, they're just amazed uh, how this is being fulfilled in their own son. And then to verses 34 and 35, the question is, what does does Simeon say to Mary? Now let's just look at this, verses 34 and 35 of Luke 2. Now, verse 34 says, Simeon blessed them, and then he said to Mary his mother. Is there something being said here about Joseph? What do you think? He blesses them, Joseph and Mary, and then he turns to Mary, the mother, and says this. What happened to Joseph later on? We don't, we we see episodes where Mary's involved and the other brothers and sisters are involved. But I wonder what happens to Joseph. Does the Bible say? What do you think, Mike? Does the Bible say what happened to Joseph? Well, I noticed he had time to train Jesus as a carpenter and then the hard work probably took him out. He did have time to train Jesus as a carpenter. And, um, and so evidently he either um, came in bad health or he passed on. But he says to Mary, says to Mary, verses 34 and 35, Behold, this child is appointed. Simeon has been talking about how the old times are now fulfilled in this child. Now he's he's doing a little prophesying himself. Okay. The spirit of the Lord is with Simeon, so he says this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for the rising and the falling, the falling and the rising. Okay. I take this to mean that as the gospel would be spread, some would hear. And receive and some would not. It's like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 1. We preach Christ uh, crucified unto the Jews, what? Stumbling block. Unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto us who are called, that is those Jews or, G- Jews or Greeks who are called, Jews or Greeks who have an open heart, uh, it's Christ the power of God. So he's appointed for the rising and falling. It's kind of a a separating influence that Jesus would have. That's that's really the prophecy here, is that he would have a separating influence. Some would receive him, some would not. Jesus himself says in Matthew 10, you remember in verse 34 or so, he says, "Um, I have come to set a man against his own family. Remember that? I've not come to bring peace to the earth, but a what? The sword. Okay. Not that Jesus wants to create division, but it's the natural way of life because the Lord blesses us, but he doesn't, he doesn't make our decisions for us. So he is set for the rising and the falling of many. He says at the end of this uh, verse 35, he says that the hearts of many may be revealed. There's no neutral ground with Jesus. You either receive him or or you don't. There's there's no middle ground. There's no no, uh, gray area of compromise with him. Uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 12, 30. He he that um, is not with me is what? Against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. But notice right here in the middle, Not only just a separating influence, okay, and a revealing influence, but notice there's a piercing influence of Jesus that is prophesied. What's going to, what's going to pierce Mary's soul? Mary, a a, a sword is going to pierce your soul. And we remember that at the foot of the cross, There's Mama, right? There's Mama. And she doesn't leave. She's there. And he looks to John there at the foot of the cross and says, Behold your mother. Take care of of Mama. So a sword is piercing her soul. I remember one of my teachers in school, Brother Rex Turner... He had a daughter to die of cancer. She was about 28, 29 and he lived in Montgomery and she, the daughter was living in, um, was in the hospital for many weeks uh, in Atlanta and he said he went a time or two to Atlanta but but he couldn't handle being there every day but he said his wife never left her side and so mama's have that kind of endearing uh, love. So there in John 19, 25, and 26, we read that Mary is right there on, at the, on the ground as Jesus is up there in the air on the cross. So there's a piercing influence here. Simeon is telling the good news and the bad, but this is good news within the bad as well. Hmm? Go ahead. Verse 35, I think he's talking about the coming death of Jesus being the sword, basically the cross, okay. and, the, and the mistreatment that Jesus would receive. Mary would be witness to the mistreatment of Jesus, the mocking, and the increasing fervor, hatred toward him, but then mainly I would say the cross. Her witness of that. She's also there in Acts 1 following the resurrection, following Jesus' ascension up on high. She is with the apostles and she is praying with them. She's not losing her faith, but she, from the very beginning, she's told that bearing the Son of God will bring pain, and it did. She didn't understand it all, but you remember in Luke one thirty-eight, she told the Lord, I'm your handmaid, I'm your servant. You, you do as you see fit. So a Marvelous example. And in a sense, all moms, of course, never on the same level as Mary and Jesus. But in one sense, all moms need to be little Marys. They need to so train their children, especially their sons, to have a sacrificial life for Jesus. And that would be painful because that would probably mean that, that daughters and sons will leave you. Not, not, but they'll get out here and they'll, they, will, they will shine their faith in their own lives. And, but we ought to be little Marys preparing our little ones to grow up. And they can't be Jesus but they can follow Jesus. And there's no better joy for a parent to see their child or children giving up their lives uh, for the Lord Jesus. Maybe that brings up one other point. We all get a chance to raise baby Jesus. All of our kids are <laughs> Would be like Jesus. Okay. Some of the takeaways from Simeon here, of course, is he was most definitely a student of Old Testament Scripture. Okay. We, need to be, we need to be in the Word as well. We see here a greater picture of Christ and, and his fulfillment of prophecy, but also his, his mission on the earth. He would have a piercing mission and a separating mission and a revealing mission, but we see his mission on earth. We see the need to be ready to die. Simeon was ready, wasn't he? Let your servant depart uh, in peace. So, several takeaways here from this man, Simeon, who needs to be part of our hero list. What a great hero! Simeon. Simeon came in when God wanted him to come in, and he did what the Lord wanted him to do. What, I think that Our time's about up. What comments do you have before we dismiss? Well, when he looked at other children, and wondered, if everyone called, he wondered, is this the Lord? He knew yeah. Yeah. So Simeon had been looking. Ms. Susan said, I wonder how many times he looked at one child and said, I wonder if this is the one. But he was being guided by the Holy Spirit. So he knew this was the one. Thank you so much for being in class and we will take about a five minute break before our devotion.